This is Puritans Read, where we read aloud great Puritan works, authors, and biographies. Today, episode 16 of The Rare Jewel of Christian Contentment by Jeremiah Burroughs. Thus you see how a godly heart finds contentment in the covenant. Many of you speak of the covenant of God and of the covenant of grace, but you have found it as effectual as this to your souls. Have you sucked this sweetness from the covenant and contentment to your hearts in your sad conditions? It is a special sign of true grace in any soul that when any affliction befalls him in a kind of natural way, he repairs immediately to the covenant. Just as a child, as soon as ever it is in danger, need not be told to go to his father or mother, for nature tells him so. So it is with a gracious heart. As soon as it is in any trouble or affliction, there is a new nature which carries him to the covenant immediately, where he finds ease and rest. If you find that your hearts work in this way, immediately running to the covenant, it is an excellent sign of true grace. So much for the general point. Number two, but now for the particular promises in the covenant of grace. A gracious heart looks upon every promise as coming from the root of the great covenant of grace in Christ. Other men look upon some particular promises that God will help them in straits and keep them and the like. But they do not look at the connection of such particular promises to the root, the covenant of grace. Christians miss a great deal of comfort which they might have from the particular promises in the gospel. If they would consider their connection to the root, the great covenant that God has made with them in Christ, in the times of the law, they might rest more upon outward promises than we can in the time of the gospel. I gave you the reason why we who live in the times of the gospel cannot depend so much on a literal fulfillment of the outward promises that we find in the Old Testament as they could in the time of the law. For there was a special covenant that God pleased to call a new covenant by way of distinction from the other covenant that is made with us in Christ for eternal life. So even the law was given to them in a more peculiar way for an external covenant of outward blessings in the land of Canaan. And so God dealt with them in a more external covenant than he does now with his people. Yet godliness has the promise of this life and that which is to come. We may make use of the promises for this life but yet not so much to rest upon the literal performance of them as they of old might. But God will make them good in some way or other, in a spiritual way, if not in an outward way. 
We must lay no more upon outward promises than this, and therefore if we lay more, we make the promise to bear more than it will bear. To give some examples, to believe fully and confidently that the plague shall not come nigh a certain house is, I say, to lay more upon such a promise than it will bear. If you remember, I opened that promise in Psalm 91. Now, if I had lived in the time of the law, perhaps I might have been somewhat more confident of the literal performance of the promise than I can be now in the time of the gospel. The promise now bears no more than this, that God has a special protection over his people and that he will deliver them from the evil of such an affliction and if he does not and if he does bring such an affliction it is more than an ordinary providence it is a special providence that god has in it i thought i would give you several promises for the contentment of the heart in the time of affliction when thou passest through the waters i will be with thee and through through the rivers they shall not overflow thee When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burnt, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. Isaiah 43, 2 Certainly, though this promise was made in the time of the law, it will be made good to all the saints now, one way or the other, either literally or in some other way, for we find clearly that the promise that was made to Joshua I shall not fail thee, nor forsake thee, Joshua 1.5, is applied to Christians in the time of the gospel. So here is the way of faith in bringing contentment by the promises. The saints of God have an interest in all the promises that ever were made to our forefathers. From the beginning of the world, They are their inheritance and go on from one generation to another. By that they come to have contentment because they inherit all the promises made in all the book of God. Hebrews 13.5 shows this plainly that it is our inheritance and we do not inherit less now than they did in Joshua's time, but we inherit more For you will find in that place of Hebrews that more is said than is to Joshua. To Joshua, God says, he will not leave him nor forsake him. But in this place in Hebrews, in the Greek, there are five negatives. I will not, 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 not again. That is the force of it in the Greek. I say there are five negatives in that little sentence as if God should say, I will not leave you. No, I will not. I will not. I will not with such earnestness. Five times together. So that not only have we the same promises that they had, but we have them more enlarged and more full, though still not so much in the literal sense, 
for that indeed is the least part of the promise. In Isaiah 54, 17, God made a promise that no weapon formed against his people should prosper, and every tongue that shall rise against them in judgment they shall condemn, and mark what follows. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. This is a good promise for a soldier, though still we ought not to lay too much upon the literal sense. True, it holds forth thus much, that God's protection is in a special manner over the soldiers that are godly. And every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment thou shalt condemn. This is against false witness, too. O you, whose friends never left you anything, you will say, My friends died and did not leave me a groat, but I thank God he has provided for me. Though your father or mother died and left you no inheritance, you have an inheritance in the promise. This is their heritage. So that there is no godly man or woman, but is a great heir. Therefore, when you look into the book of God and find any promise there, you may make it your own, just as an heir who rides over a lot of fields and meadows, says, This meadow is my inheritance, and this cornfield is my inheritance. And then he sees a fine house and says, This fine house is my inheritance. He looks at them with a different eye from a stranger who rides over those fields. A carnal heart reads the promises and reads them merely as stories, not that he has any great interest in them. But every time a godly man reads the scriptures, remember this when you are reading the scripture, and there meets with a promise, he ought to lay his hand upon it and say, this is part of my inheritance, it is mine, and I am to live upon it. This will make you contented. It is a mysterious way of getting contentment. And there are several other promises that bring contentment. Psalms 34.10, 37.6, Isaiah 58.10. So much for the mystery of contentment by way of the covenant. This concludes episode 16 of Jeremiah Burroughs, The Rare Jewel of Christian Contentment.